Welcome to the Meal Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay S. Nixon. This is the final podcast episode this year, this season. It's been a wonderful, wonderful season. I loved every single co-pilot. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks to everyone who came on. And to sort of kick off our final one, we're going to hit sort of how to survive the holidays, what to do. And with me today is Carly and Scott, because not just me giving out advice today. Everyone's here for the last podcast. So I guess we'll just take it away and start answering some of the questions our listeners submitted to us for this podcast. So the first question is from Angela. And she says, how to best stay on the plan for holidays and road trips? Which is a great question. And we do have the travel meal plan, which is available in the exclusive member library on the dashboard. So definitely check that meal plan out. And there's some really simple, easy recipes that you can do to stay you know, compliant with the plan while you're traveling in a car. But also, remember that the meal plans are a tool. It's a learning tool to teach you exactly what portions are and what balanced meals look like. So when you are traveling, you can make choices and sort of create meals based on what's available at restaurants or gas stops that would look similar to what you would have on the meal plans. So, for example, I was traveling recently and I knew exactly how much beans and rice and salad to put on my plate at a buffet because of having had meal plan recipes that were beans and rice and salad. Or I knew to get a hummus and vegetable wrap because we have hummus and vegetable wraps on the meal plans. So, Scott and Carly, you guys both travel a lot, too. Do you have any tips? Well, I mean, I think if you're staying in hotels, you should maybe try to, like, pick hotels that have kitchens and stuff like that. That makes it easier if you have the ability to actually cook, you know, like extended stays. We stayed at a place in Charleston that had, like, a full kitchen so you could actually cook stuff if you wanted to, like, pots and pans are already there. Right. Yeah, that's um, a good point. If you're traveling in a car, it's easy to bring a pressure cooker along or a rice cooker, and that makes things a lot easier. Having tools that make you know, because when you're traveling, you're most likely going to be focused on wherever you're traveling to or what activities you're doing. And um, obviously pressure cookers and that kind of stuff make it easier to make food quickly and stuff. And so having a good tool or two, if if possible, that, that helps, I think, a lot. That's a good point, because when we travel by car, we always take our pressure cooker and we will often just use the saute setting and use it like a stove and cook all of our meals that way. And I just found this out from a member recently that you can request to have a refrigerator in any hotel room. It doesn't matter if it's like a cheaper one or a more expensive one, because I guess there's some law now that they have to provide a fridge on request without asking you why for individuals who have medication that needs refrigeration, but they don't, they can't ask you why. So they don't know that you don't have medication. So you can always get a fridge. And I find most places will also accommodate with a microwave if you ask in advance. Carly, what about you? Because you drive to, like, Arizona and stuff a lot. Yeah, I travel in shorter distances, but um, I think a lot of the time people get very caught up on, like, their next meal and what they're going to do, and Mm -hmm. they kind of, like, make it more complicated than it actually is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes I'll ask, like, my friends if they want to go out, or now they ask me, like, can you eat here? <laughs> and <laughs> everyone becomes obsessed with your food. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then I'll look at it, and if I'll see that, oh, hey, they have maybe a sandwich or a salad. Salads are always, mm-hmm. you know, easy. And I know a lot of people get, well, what are you going to eat 
with the salad? Like, what about <laughs> dressing? They don't have any dressing. It's like, no, if they have hot sauce or salsa or, or, mustard. or mustard or vinegar, I'm 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 fine. So or lime juice limes. or lemons, oranges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which we do a lot. So it's like kind of have to teach yourself not to panic because worst case scenario, mm-hmm. like you're just. It is the holidays, so you're there with your family and your friends, and that's more what the holidays are about than right. really the food. Yeah, so, yeah. worst case scenario, you can eat later at home or back at your final destination. <laughs> yeah, very true, very true. And it's something I, I always try to remind everyone this time of year, I'm glad you brought it up, was that you're not there for the food. Thanksgiving is not really the gluttony bowl. Like, the whole point of Thanksgiving is gratitude and togetherness and love and family. And so I try to remind myself of that, that, okay, I'm really not here. But it's interesting that you brought up your friends because we, my husband and I, Scott and I, were just in Charleston for his Citadel reunion. And everyone was, like, so obsessed with us and what we were going to eat. They were so worried about us like can you eat here can you eat here and we're like guys really just go wherever we'll be fine we'll be fine and they finally thought that they had us beat because they took us to a crab shack where literally the only thing on the menu was crab or shrimp like it was a shack there was only that those two foods were on the menu but then I was like fine well Scott and I just won't eat we'll just sit here and enjoy the conversation because really we're here to see you guys we're not here for the crab and I noticed that they were putting boiled potatoes and boiled corn on everyone's plate. And so I asked, like, can I just get a big plate of some boiled potatoes and boiled corn? And they were like, sure, no problem. Wasn't on the menu, but sure enough, even in a crab shack, there was something for us to eat. Well, and they did have peanuts, too. Oh, we that's right, they normally did. Normally not. We don't typically eat peanuts, and I don't think we ate any while we were there. But they, they were available. But we also ate ahead of time. I mean, that's part of it is, like, if you have a lot of anxiety about, like, you know, like where your next meal is, or if you if you're like already really hungry, I mean, you probably just do a little planning and maybe eat beforehand. Or you know, I the more the longer I'm with Lindsay, the more planning oriented I've had to become. And and so if if you have a lot of anxiety, just plan to have stuff with you. I mean, we tend to travel and have a lot of food with us in our suitcases, and most of the time we don't eat hardly even half of it, but we have it just in case. So Absolutely. Yeah. It was funny when we went to, um, uh, we were on a three week cruise going through Asia. We took so much food, almost a whole suitcase worth of food. And then we didn't even eat half of it because we didn't need to. But there's also in the happy herbivore guide to plant-based living, there's a huge list of foods that are appropriate for airplanes and trains and automobiles, things that you can just eat or just add water to. And I think we might even have that list also in the forums. So check that out. It'll give you a lot more tips. So our next question is from Sandra, and she says, how to survive holiday parties. And I think this kind of has already been answered a little bit where Scott said, eat before you go, um, especially if you're worried that you're going to eat a lot of like junk food. You know, if you're really full, if you eat a bunch of potatoes or your meal plan dinner before you go, you'll be less likely to shove more stuff in. Like, don't show up starving and then (laughs) go face first into the potato chip bowl. But um, something else you can do is bring something healthy. Bring something that you know is in line with your values and what you want to eat, but that other people will enjoy. And Carly, you're often bringing like sort of like not potlucks, but you're bringing things to parties with friends because I know you tailgate. So maybe you have some insight there. Um, I think last year, actually, for New Year's, I did bring something that most people would eat, like then they wouldn't know that it was vegan Mm -hmm. so it wasn't completely foreign to them like I brought spinach artichoke dip and that 
everybody loves it, so they're right. not going to be like, oh, I can't, what is this healthy thing that you're giving me? So you don't, I mean, I never really mention that it's anything special. Oh, it's spinach artichoke dip. Be like, anyway, so how about those crackers? Right. <laughs> like, you just kind of, like, keep on going. Right. Okay. That's a really good point is to um, bring something that isn't completely foreign Don't bring the tofu shaped as a turkey. That's not a very good choice. But bring familiar-looking foods. And, um, or, you know, I mean, hummus is pretty common. I think most people know what hummus is now, so that's always a safe bet. But like you said, spinach and artichoke dip. Just say it's spinach and artichoke dip. You don't have to say it's vegan. You don't have to say it's whole foods, plant-based. There's no oil. There's no cream. There's no whatever. Just sit it down and eat it. And no one turns away muffins, cookies, or cupcakes. And, just I, mean, I mean, if you there's always, like, the worst-case scenario. Maybe you don't have time. You can't prepare. There's nothing there, like, in the Crab Shack instance. You know, you, you if you're if you get hungry... And you can't eat. There's nothing for you to eat. It's okay if you don't eat. You will survive. You're, you're not going to, like, die or anything like that. It's just... It's okay it's to okay. be hungry. It's okay to be hungry. It'll probably pass in, like, 20 minutes at most. And, you you know, drink some water. I mean, there's ways to, to kind of mitigate that and make it less bad. Just be careful with alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> Scott speaking from experience. Um... That's a really great point, and something I learned from intermittent fasting, which we talk a lot about in the forums, and a lot of members have had great success doing, is you realize that hunger comes in waves and it goes away after a few minutes, and um, that's one thing I loved with intermittent fasting, is it really kind of brought me back to true hunger and teaching me, it's okay to be hungry, like, don't fear the hunger, it'll it'll come, it'll go, and you'll deal with it later, but um, my probably favorite example of it is I was hungry, and I was like, okay, I'm going to get it. That's it. Fruit bar at the gas station. And then I went into my hair appointment and I realized I had left the that's it fruit bar. And of course I'm at a hair salon and there's no food there. There's literally nothing. They didn't even have like mints or candy, but I couldn't get up. Like I couldn't go out to my car because I had these like things in my hair and I was there for three hours. And I was like, what am I going to do? 10 minutes later, I wasn't even hungry. It, it completely, I forgot about it. So just wait it out. It will go away and you can get food when you get to your next place or back to your hotel and there's always something and you know what gas stations have apples and bananas so you're never really that far away from something oh another good thing for surviving holiday parties is I always try to eat off a napkin or the smallest plate like I really try to make it a smaller thing because if I have a big plate I'm gonna load it up with way more food than I should eat or will eat and um so a smaller napkin's a good thing. And it's, I, a, it's also a bad habit that people have is they go to a party and they just, like, pile as much stuff on their mm-hmm. plate. And people don't care as much about, like, just, like, throwing that food away. It's like, oh, I didn't like this. And even though I have, like, half my plate covered in this thing. Yeah. I don't like it, so now it just gets thrown away. So. And an amazing book um, to read before the holidays, if you can, is Slim by Design, who's the same author as the Mindless Eating book that we read as part of Mentor University this semester. And um, he has so many great strategies and tips for, like, how to avoid overeating. It's just completely based on, like, not standing facing the buffet line or walking away or sitting at closest to the window. Carly, you're laughing, so something's going to be you. I would agree with the walking away. (laughs) Like, you know, don't stand right next to the food because I've caught myself, like, you know, just, like, eating. Like, it was was carrots, but still, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. carrots and hummus, like, I'm just sitting there, I'm like, why do I keep putting this in my mouth? I am right. not hungry right now. And so it's just like, I need to move. Especially if you're like sitting down at a table and it's like, you know, 
a smaller mm-hmm. gathering or something, they put all that stuff there. And it's just like, reach, yeah. you know, I need to, I need to take a lap. I need to go somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> Scott, why, what do you share what you do to stop yourself when we're at tables and lots of food still out? Oh, I like, I usually will just like take my napkin and like cover my plate. It's kind of a way to like visually signify to myself that I'm done eating. Mm-hmm. Um, it works pretty, pretty well. So. It does, yes. I mean, that doesn't mean I don't, I haven't occasionally like done, but it, like usually I will realize that I've kind of satiated myself and, and maybe there's still like just like a bite or two left on my plate. And sometimes I'll just do it anyway. It's just because it's, it's good to stock yourself, even if there's like one bite left, because it's a good, it's a good habit to get into to like, to realize that you're like, you're kind of done eating and you're just eating to eat and, there's no... Um, well, so Carly said she was eating carrots just to eat well, there, the carrots. There, there's a disconnect. Just because, like, your plate can hold this amount of food or, or they serve you this amount of food doesn't mean that's actually the food that you need for that meal, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, especially if you've, if you've slowed down and you're eating at a, at a decent, like, a slow pace, because Lindsay and I both tend to be fast eaters, and you feel satiated, you probably should just stop right then, you know, and not just finish your plate. But it's it's... And this is an environment thing. This is what we were talking about, like having the carrots or being able to see the buffet. It's about your environment. And when you see when things when food is in your environment, you are significantly more likely to consume it. So it doesn't matter if it's on your desk or if it's 20 feet in front of you. If you see it, you're going to get up and Mm -hmm. go get it, you know. Out of sight, out of mind is a really great thing. And in Slim by Design, I really can't recommend this book enough. It, it's amazing. I, I love both of those books. But in Slim by Design, I remember there was a study where they found that these women who, or men, who sat at a bar versus they didn't sit at the bar but were somewhere else in the bar, um, those who sat by the bar drank, I think, something like two or three more drinks compared to the people away from the bar. And it wasn't even because the bartender was proximal to them or close to them, but what it was, they realized, is that these people were at the bar, and so they were constantly seeing drinks being made, and so, like, drink after drink after drink, it's just like, oh, that's normal. It just sets this subconscious, like, environmental boundary of how many drinks to drink. Because if you just, it's out of sight, out of mind. The people away from the bar, they have to be thinking like, oh, my drink's done. They look for the drink to be done or they look for, you know, oh, I wanted more buzz or I want another drink, whatever. But at the bar, the drinks are just being made. And so people at the bar were even ordering second or third or fourth drinks before they even finished their one just because they were seeing so much. And it was the same with the buffet. People who faced the buffet ate way more food than those who turned away. People think, I think a lot of people and myself, like we often think that we, we are, we do things because we're motivated. We want something or we think we need something. And the vast reality of it is everything is driven around habits. And, and the habit loop is you have, you, you see a trigger, you see food, you see a drink happening. And then what happens is the habit of ordering the drink Mm-hmm. And because you're you're seeking a reward, habits are all about getting to that reward. And believe it or not, you see some food that you love, like you see a cookie or something like that. Your brain actually already starts anticipating the, and your body will start releasing mm-hmm. dopamine as you see that cookie. You're like, "Ooh, I can't wait to eat that cookie!" And your body starts releasing the dopamine. And so, guess what? You go over and pick the cookie up and eat it. And it's and it, it could be like an awful cookie. 
and maybe that'll make you put it down, but it didn't matter because like your body is looking for that reward and that habit. And so that's why the environment is so important. Yeah. People underestimate the power of the environment, but often our success or failures are completely based around our environments. And, um, and willpower is a very limited and very easily exhausted resource. And so we can't rely on willpower during the holidays. Well, and, and, and willpower is something that gets like the more tired you are, the if you haven't eaten in a while, you're going to have a lot less willpower. And, you know, it's just because you have of these waves of energy throughout the day where you have more energy and less energy. And the more decisions you make, the less willpower you're going to have. So I um, I was recently very fortunate that I got to attend a conference and I met up with several of our meal mentor members there and we were eating our meals together. And there was this one meal where I had grossly overeaten and um because I'm still you know I'm still a work in progress myself and the member next to me I heard her say I'm not hungry but I'm gonna eat this anyway and I was so proud of her for saying it out loud and then I said it out loud and then other members heard us and all of a sudden all of us were saying it out loud and putting our forks down and I know it's so hard to say that in a social situation which is why I have such immense respect and um, it was so inspired by the member who was the one to say that, but it really, it really helped us all to stop. And when you externalize things that you're thinking or feeling, it like makes it more real a mm-hmm. lot of times. Like so. that's why you can even like have a conversation about something with a friend and you'll actually kind of pull more out about like what you're thinking and doing. That's why it's good to have people to talk to about your diet. Yes, absolutely. That's why we love the forums and the VIP group so much. So our next question is from Barb, and she says how to prepare cooking. And so two things on that real quick is the Thanksgiving ebook on the dashboard, which is available to all members, has um, a cooking game plan. It actually lays out how you can prepare all this cooking and get everything on the table, and it's very thorough, and I could never recite it all here. Um, so definitely check that out to help you prepare with your cooking. And that same section is also in the Happy Hair Before Holidays and Gatherings cookbook if you have that. But generally, you know, you batch cook every week, and that's basically what Thanksgiving is, is one big batch cooking session. So you've been batch cooking all year or for the last few months, however long you've been a member. And so you already sort of have those skills, and you're just putting that to the test. It feels more overwhelming because there's kind of that pressure of Thanksgiving, but you guys are all pros at cooking. You cook every day, every week. It's just about getting your timing down so the game plan will definitely get you there. And this next question I really love, and I'm so glad Katie asked it, was how to deflect the conversation away from your choices at the dinner table? What are some polite responses to ridiculous questions or just what can you do when you feel frustrated? And I think this sort of sings back to what we were saying earlier that I'm not here for the food, but... Um, one thing I always like to remind myself is I'm not going to change their mind that day. So it's not worth getting my emotions all riled up. It's not worth exhausting myself, arguing. You're not going to change their mind that day. Um, and no one wants to hear the turkey causes cancer right before they're about to eat turkey or right after they eat it. So it's really not the time to go into those things. So I generally just say, listen, I'm, I'm really excited that you're so fascinated with my way of life and I'm happy to email you some stuff when I get home. Um, kind of you know, I think really neutralizes it. But uh, Carly, you probably have more experiences than me because you're sort of the only vegan in your family. Maybe you can tell Um, us maybe what you do with grandma. uh, Actually, I found over, I just realized like this morning that I'll be like five years, like being um, on the first of the year. Oh, wow. So I was thinking, I was like, 
wow. <laughs> but uh, the more that I think about, like, over time, like, people, at first, they were, like, really, you know, why? Yeah. Like, yeah. why? Like, don't, don't you, you know, how can you not eat meat? It's like, well, I just don't. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, so I don't, I think the more that people, like, maybe the first time that they're with you, like, I can see how the holidays would probably, if you don't see these people, like, all the time, they'd be, like, mm-hmm. really shocked by it. But, um, and it can be their first experience ever meeting someone who is different. True. And, you know, like, we do put a lot of emphasis, like, you know, on the turkey. Like, mm-hmm. that is the, you know, star of the show. But yeah. <laughs> really, when you take the turkey away, what is Thanksgiving? It's mostly vegetables. This is a really great point. It is. So it's like, you know, mashed potatoes, green beans, like, all Squashes, of that stuff. Yeah. So it's cranberries, like... Cranberries, pumpkin pie. Yeah, you're right. It is and really a, kind of a lot of times, people don't realize that. That's very true. So I haven't really, you know, had that much experience with people because they kind of just... Mm-hmm. I'm stubborn. They're probably... <laughs> they're not going to get, like, much of, like, a response. I'll just say, oh, I really like eating this way. Makes me feel good. And then be like, come, you pass the peace. Right, right. <laughs> pass the peace. Scott, you actually were just with all of your friends from college, and there are a lot of them are these kind of good old boys from the South, and we love them, but you're completely like an alien to them. And, you know, this was not your first encounter with them being vegan because you've been vegan for so long, but um, you still only see them once every five years, and you're obviously very different from who you were when you were at the Citadel together. So, like, what do they say to you, and how do you respond to it? They don't really tease you anymore, do they? You know, I, I don't know that we didn't have a lot of conversations about it, but it would just be like they make a joke about like something they're eating or like that I I can't eat or something mm-hmm. like that. And for me, it's just not a big deal. I, I just don't care. And I mean, I, it's for me, I guess it's kind of easy in some respects. Like I don't externalize like it doesn't bother me. That people, they want to eat meat, and, but then they, like, maybe say, oh, don't you want to eat this? And I'm like, no, I don't care, because it's like, <laughs> I'm pretty happy with the things that I can eat, so it's not a it's not a really big deal to me. It's harder for me to, to relate to people that, like, maybe would get upset by that kind of behavior. I just, to me, it's like, it just rolls off my back, because it's very comfortable in my choices and my decisions, and I just... And that's something that, like, Carly said, she five years now, which is amazing, year, I think, like, seven, I'm almost at ten, so I think it's, for us, it's just been so long, where we really become comfortable, and we forget what it was like when you first start, but um, every time you make that choice, and you stand firm, and you continue on, you just get stronger and stronger, and more comfortable, well, and, and more and comfortable. I, uh, so the one thing that, like, so whatever, a lot of times people will ask about, like, health or the diet kind of aspect like diet in relates relation to like it being healthier really um it's kind of funny because it's like there's no way to communicate everything you've learned or read you know in your decade or Mm -hmm. more or whatever that it is that you've been kind of learning and doing all this stuff and i mean my kind of standard response now is if you really want to learn more about it you can you can read the happier war guide to plant-based lifestyle because that's really the the best summary, and, and I had an incident with one of the one of my classmates' wife, where I was like, I can't really like explain all this stuff in, in a good way and, and be defensible. And we'd be here all day. And it, because, like, I mean, there's a million different aspects to it, and Lindsay, you cover it really, really well in that book. And so I just think that's like, if you want to point people towards something, and that's a quick read. It, it really is a is. quick read. So and there's an audio version. And there's Listen an audio to read version. It to you. Yes. But yeah. So I think. And also, too, a lot of times I feel like with 
like your friends, for example, or my friends, is they're trying to just tease you or get a rise out of you. And if you just like go along with it and kind of laugh it off and don't start getting, I find people are trying to elicit a certain response out of me a lot of the times. And if you don't give it to well, them, it ends. And Carly's might, nodding. So I, I, think, it's, I think she's agreeing. <laughs> I think that sometimes people, I think what happens is there are people that are uncomfortable with their own choices. And that's when they, those people are the ones that are challenging you because a lot of people, they don't challenge me at all. Mm-hmm. They're just like, Oh, okay. You don't eat this. And that's why there's like not much of a back and forth. It's the people that maybe are uncomfortable, that seems like maybe they're uncomfortable with something themselves. Absolutely. You know, I love that quote. The worst thing that someone can say about you reveals a little truth about them. And I definitely find that when people are really dogmatic or really negative or really in your face, it's because they're uncomfortable with their own choices. And um, and we're going to talk about peer pressure in a little while in a later question, but I definitely realized this actually in college is I had a friend who didn't drink for whatever reasons she she just didn't like it she didn't want to and I was always trying to get her to drink and everyone was always like oh just have this cocktail oh you like this one and finally I had to ask myself like why does it bother me so much that Caroline doesn't drink like why am I always trying to get her to drink is it because I'm uncomfortable with my own consumption and so if I get her to drink I'll feel better about what I'm doing and so um I realized that a lot of people experience that when you know you're putting broccoli on your plate and they're like, but you're not eating the it, pound cake. It the the it, it has this weird thing. The absence of somebody doing something that could possibly be like drinking alcohol could be possible is possibly be a negative thing or is a negative thing, and however you want to look at it. And so whenever somebody else abstains from it, it it makes you like question whether what you're doing is right or not. Like, you know, there's a comfort in conformity. Yeah. So let's see. Next question is from Sarah. Best way to plan for staying with omnivores. And I'm definitely going to let Carly answer this one because she has a lot more experience than I do. But, um, one thing that a lot of our members do every week and Scott and I have done this when staying with friends and family who are omnivores is, you know, you do the meal plans and then you just let them add chicken or fish or meat or cheese or whatever to their portions because no one's going to turn down someone else doing all the cooking. So that's one way to go. And it's worked really well for us living in mixed houses with friends or family. But also, well, actually, I'll let Carly kind of talk about how you make it work with your family. I think a lot of times, I think I said this before, a lot of people don't realize that certain food is, like, naturally vegan, mm-hmm. or it can be, like, when you take away, like, some of the stuff. Like using vegetable broth instead of chicken broth. Right. Or using earth balance instead of butter. Or even, like, you know, if I'm going somewhere, like, with my family, mm-hmm. and my mom just went vegan, so I do have one more strength in number. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know... If I go, like, back, my family is from the South, so a lot of times, like, I'll offer, like, oh, hey, how about I make dinner one night? And, like, mm-hmm. you know, my grandma's older, and she doesn't, you know, want to be standing in the kitchen, you right. know? So, be like, hey, so I, like, try and pick something that isn't so, like, you know, don't do the tofu. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. Don't pick the weird foods, Like, yeah. you know, if you do, like, something like a Mexican night where you can, like, you know, make the tacos and you have your beans and you have your, like, tortillas and then you can make that a buffet and then add oh, all the yeah. other stuff, like, on the side where people can, like, mm-hmm. make it themselves and then they, you know, they'll be like, oh, this is really great. And then they won't even know that, like, 90% of the stuff is It's going back the to the familiar foods thing, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, pasta, like, everybody loves pasta and you can make pasta with vegetables and marinara sauce and people won't complain or no or... Yeah, but, I mean... 
I just try and focus on stuff that, again, not to o- overcomplicate things. Like, if you know that they're going to be having, like, mm-hmm. meat, be like, oh, you know what? I can have a potato. I can eat this, the carrots or whatever and everything on the side. Or even offer to just make something. I love the idea of offering to make a meal. And one thing that surprised me is when Scott and I were in for his reunion, we stayed in this big beach house with um, 13 other people. And I, I mean, these were, like I said, all these like kind of good old boys and none of them, they all live in the deep South. And, you know, I don't think any of them have ever met vegetarians except for Scott and myself. But one, at two different times, one morning I got up and one of the guys was like, oh, I thought you were going to make something for us. And he was actually genuinely being serious. He was surprised that I was not cooking. And then another night someone had been like, oh, I was really hoping that you would cook dinner one night. Um, and what I realized is they all were very curious and they wanted to try it, but they were afraid to like go to a vegan restaurant. And I felt that way with like Indian food. I never went to an Indian restaurant cause I didn't know what any of the words were or what it meant. And I was afraid to order something I wouldn't like or to be too spicy. And so I wanted like an expert and, and the to take me how to explain it. Response, I don't like curry yeah and so um and then i went i loved it and now i'm much more comfortable but the same thing with like ethiopian and even i think the first time i went to a thai restaurant i was really like kind of nervous and scared i'm like what's this green curry what's this spring roll thing what's a dumpling and, and yeah, but Indian restaurants are not just about curry. And I ended up feeling kind of bad because I did, had no idea. And then it kind of got around that all of the people at the house, save for like maybe one person, were all hoping that I would have made something for them. And I was like, oh, I didn't even think to because I didn't want to like force it on them or make it. And so now we've said the next time we're all together, Lindsay's definitely going to cook a big meal for everybody. But I won't. I definitely, like Carly said, will be making something that looks familiar and isn't um like a strange ingredient like seitan or tempeh even though i love those things i am sure that would not go over as well as a mexican or an italian dish i think you can also flip that though like when you're going and visiting like an omnivore Mm -hmm. like they're like worried like you know like what what do i do like what do i ask them like how Mm -hmm. you know so if you can i think if you can take just a little bit of (laughs) pressure off the person right true like they feel so much better because they just want you to be happy and comfortable and they want you to feel included. Mm-hmm. That's what I've like noticed. Like they just want to make sure like that they're, that I don't, you know, go hungry, which yeah, which won't is happen, nice but them. you know, like that's true. That a lot of times omnivores are trying to please you or they're very worried about you out of genuine love for you. And if you can just help them out and be like, I'm really good with PB and J, it'll, it'll make them feel better too. Cause they're worried. Jenny says, how do you politely say no to a guest who offers to bring a non-vegan food? And this is in the instance where she is having a, she's hosting Thanksgiving in her home. She's doing all the cooking for a big vegan Thanksgiving. And what is she to do when people are like, well, I'll bring a real pumpkin pie or a turkey. And how do you decline to say no? And the ways I've sort of dealt with that in the past is to be like, no, really, there's so much food. I've already bought and purchased and I'm making so much food. Really, please don't bring anything else. Don't bring anything else. Um, another time I have said that, that due to another guest's dietary limitations, we couldn't let anything else in the house for their safety, um, which you I, well, could do. I, I think you can say, like, you know, you can be pretty direct about it and just say, we want this to be a, a completely vegan Thanksgiving or event, whatever, and just say that, like, I don't want to have pe- to tell everyone because there's going to be a lot of people. And I don't, I don't want to have to tell everyone What's to what? avoid certain dishes because 
if we just make it to where everything is is plant-based vegan or whatever, then there's no question. Everyone can enjoy, yeah. And we yeah. do that. We have parties, and we always make everything gluten-free, so we're not, like, telling our friends with wheat allergies, no, this, yes, this, you know, all night. Um, but that was also bringing to my third thing is one of the times before my parents were plant-based and I was, it was my, so in my family, everyone is a different host year to year. So it finally swung around to me and it was my turn to have Thanksgiving. Everyone was coming to my house. And so I like laid down the law and was like, it's a vegan Thanksgiving. And what I finally said to my family was, Hey guys, it's one day. You can always go home and have the turkey if it's that big of a deal. But how about you just try to have this new experience? Like think of it as an adventure, like see what it's like and everyone loved it it went so well and subsequently now they're all plant-based and vegan but the fact is at the time they weren't and they were very skeptical and it went well so you know you can sell it as a experience well if they're really like i think a lot of times people just want to feel like they contributed that's a good point like they don't want you to feel like you're taking on the burden of like making this big feast for somebody so Mm -hmm. if they're like really dead set on bringing something Mm -hmm. people love stuff that's easy if you tell them hey you know what it'd be great if you could bring like a a bottle of wine or like bring bring ice i you know what i need to taste a crudite water pops yeah Yeah. ice yeah that's a good point Or, or like crackers or something so at least they feel like they contributed yeah. Or they did something. They did that, that's pretty much all they're wanting to do. Yeah, that's true. Or, to you feel know, like part of the community, part of the effort. You can, you can do the dishes afterwards. Oh, they never want to do that. I try that all the time with my parties. People are like, <laughs> what can I bring? And I'm like, nothing. And they're like, no, I want to bring something. I'm like, you could do the dishes after. They're like, so much nope. <laughs> it's like, great. Okay. Um, let's see. Let's see. Okay. Siri asked for tips for adapting meals for different tastes when your guests are not American, when they're from a different culture. And my suggestion there is not to adapt a recipe, but that to make a recipe your family or your guests want and expect. So, for example, in my family, we're Italian. We're very proudly Italian. Um, well, actually, I, I'm adopted, so I'm not Italian. But my point is, my family is Italian, and so they always would serve lasagna. Other families would have turkeys or maybe hams at Christmas. Nope, we had lasagna because we're Italian, and that's just part of our tradition. And actually, this morning, when I was planning our Thanksgiving menu, I asked my husband, you know, if there's anything you specifically want, otherwise I'll just do our standard menu. He's like, can we have mac and cheese? I was like, mac and cheese isn't even kind of Thanksgiving, he's like, but it's an American food. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it is. I mean, it's just I've everybody never has, had mac and cheese at Thanksgiving. But in the, in the South, I think mac and cheese is a little bit. Oh, is deal. it? I okay. don't know. I but mean, whatever. That's my point, is I'm now catering to <laughs> my guests, and we'll be having. So, um, you you definitely can just, you don't have to have, like, like what we're all saying, you don't have to have turkey at Thanksgiving for it to be Thanksgiving. My mother never. You can have curry. It's my cool. mother never made mac and cheese, but Philip's mother always made mac and cheese on holidays, and I liked her mac and cheese. Oh, see? There you go. So. And, um, I mean, my family is weird, and they eat mac and cheese and fish sticks on Christmas Eve. And I know Carly's making a face, and that's how I feel about it. And this tradition is never going to change. I've tried. It's been in long before I've been alive. However, now, everyone, including my plant-based parents, we make happy herbivore, you know, faux crab cakes and happy herbivore mac and cheese. And we keep our tradition alive, as strange as it is. Um, but, yeah, so you could definitely do that. Or, and this is what Scott and I did when we lived in the Caribbean and also when we lived in France, 
is that we said to our friends, hey, let's make this an adventure. Like, it's a new experience, you know, experience a new culture, you know, have a real American Thanksgiving. And my friends in France, for example, who generally hate all kind of American foods, think they're weird, they were actually really excited to have an American Thanksgiving. And they definitely didn't love everything, but they were glad they had that experience. And the same was true for us. Like, we've gone to friends who are of different faiths and eaten their religious foods, and we've gone to... Um, when we lived in France, we went to a lot of different like celebrations and French parties where f- there were certain foods, and you know we tried those in Germany too. And so, and that was part of the experience of learning and experiencing that new culture. So that's certainly a way you could sell it. It's an adventure. It is an adventure, yeah. And um, I mean, when we were in Asia, that was a big thing for us was to just see some of the different ways in which people live and you know i totally got into noodles and miso soup at breakfast which is so un-american and if you, most americans would be like you have miso soup for breakfast if, that's what the asians were doing if you ever come to los angeles you can go to koreatown that whole place is a great adventure it is a great adventure and then someone had posted this um in um in the private facebook group for annual members and i wanted to share it because i thought it was hilarious but awesome and so accurate Omnivores are like cats. I find they get much more affectionate when you ignore them. I never push my special diet on the omnis in my life. I act totally unconcerned with whatever they eat or whether they eat the vegan food or not. And I also don't make a fuss about being special diet food. I just quietly add it to the mix. If they don't come around for a taste by their own curiosity, I might ask, would you give this a taste? I'm curious how it would come across to an omnivore palate, which lets them know I don't need them to like it. I'm not asking in an insecure or apologetic way. I make it clear I really like it if I do, and I'm genuinely curious whether it would appeal to someone who eats differently than I do. And I just thought that was brilliant and amazing. Um, so take to heart. And then, okay, so um, we, and we talked about this a little bit already. Marie asked how to deal with peer pressure at parties. And um, as we sort of said before, remember that change is hard for everyone. They're often trying to make themselves feel better. Or at the very least, they're like, oh, my gosh, Carly, oh, she's vegan. She's going to try to make me vegan. And if you just reassure them that, hey, this is what I'm doing. You don't need to change at all. You're good. That makes them feel a lot better. When people are, like, trying to force food on you, like, ooh, just have a bite. You know, just taste. Live a little. Treat yourself. Um I'll usually say something like, I'm, I'm really, really good, I'm full, but you go ahead and enjoy it. Um, or I'll even say something like, I'm really trying to practice willpower, or I've been doing really good lately, and I don't want to mess up because if I have one bite, I know it's all downhill from here. And when I start getting really kind of punchy and snarky, um, I'll finally be like, why is it so important to you that I try it? And at that point, they usually sort of scuttle away. Not the most diplomatic, but um, Carly, you're laughing, so I know you have something to share. <laughs> no, oh, you said something about grandmas before. But yeah, I, I kind of feel like the whole uh, peer pressure and maybe trying to push food on you is more of a something like my grandma would do. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that she's probably coming from like a good place. Mm-hmm. Like one of the first couple of years when I did go vegan, I went back to Tennessee and she... She's like, oh, I bought you something. I was like, oh, really? Like, yeah. so excited. She's like, I bought you Activia yogurt. And I'm like, that has dairy in it. She's like, but it has probiotics in it. And I'm like, yeah, that that doesn't, that doesn't uh, work. But thank you for thinking of me. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Still showing that gratitude. 
Um, and then Sarah asked how to not overeat, which we've talked a lot about, you know, your environment, where you stand, what you're doing. Um, and I really can't recommend Slim by Design here enough. But one thing I do, other than stay away from the food and be mindful of how much I'm putting on my plate, was I always try to make half of my plate fruit and vegetables. And that's a good practice all the time, but especially at these, at these parties. And then Stephanie asks, when you are traveling or out of your normal routine because of the holiday, do you try to exercise or let it go and get back to it after the holiday? Most people don't have time to exercise during the holidays, so um, that's not, I don't think, I'm not going to even try to recommend that because I know most people don't have time. And if you don't previously exercise, let's be real, you're not going to well, start I mean, exercising when you're at your family's house or on vacation. I mean, or so in our, in our case, you know, we go somewhere and, you know, maybe we try to go do yoga somewhere else, but a lot of times maybe we don't enjoy the yoga in those places as much. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you can always do other things other than yoga. Maybe it's just hiking or walking or whatever. And that's so. what I definitely, we were just traveling for five weeks, and that was something that I definitely tried to do is I tried to walk more. I would try to see a friend or something and be like, hey, instead of going for a drink, can we go walk around the mall? I need to do some shopping. and Or can we go walk around a park or something? You can definitely try to get in some activity that way. But I definitely think that, you know, most of us are not going to exercise. I mean, a lot, a lot of people... So it's better to just watch what we're eating. Lots of people go on walks after, after their Thanksgiving meal. It's totally like a guilt-driven walk, I think. Oh, yeah. My parents, I was just with them, and there was one time we had a particularly big lunch, and my mom was like, I'm going to go walk my lunch off. I'm like, well, actually, you won't, but you should still go walk. That's good. Just, I don't want you to think you're canceling it out. Um, And see. Oh, Sarah asks, how much of a treat is acceptable for one meal, and what about alcohol? And one thing... um, I, I try to remind myself of is that you don't have to have dessert. I mean, especially if it's not something that you're really excited about. Like, make sure if you're going to splurge, it's worth it. It's like you're really, you're really going to enjoy it. You're really going to like it. You really want it, and it tastes really good. If it doesn't taste good, stop eating it. It's not worth it. But it, it really depends on your goals. I mean, if you're still trying to lose weight and you want to plan to do that all through the end of the year, then you know that you can't have dessert at every meal. And um, it's, it's all about your goals and what you're willing to do. For me, passing on dessert and I mean, it has to be something I really want. Otherwise, I'm like, yeah, it's just not worth eating that. Um, but I always also have a drink or dessert. I, it's never both. So pick one and um, plan for your splurges. So, for example, last year I had a huge Thanksgiving and my girlfriend came and she's like, I prepared for your Thanksgiving. I'm like, what? Like you brought fat pants? And she was like, no. This morning I was very mindful. I had a small bowl of oatmeal and I had a very small salad at lunch because I knew that I was going to come here and I was going to eat a ton and I was going to overeat. No matter what I did, I was going to overeat. I wanted to be able to just eat as much as I wanted. And I also went to bigger meal good today. And I was like, see, she planned. She totally planned for it. And so that's definitely something that that you can do um, is to plan for it and just I really be making sure it's what you really want. Because I think a lot of times, especially at holidays and parties, we take just everything we don't hate, and we should really just take what we want. Why are you laughing? <laughs> I, I made a, my mom, like, we have this tradition that, you know, we have German chocolate cake mm-hmm. for the holidays. And just, like, you know, twice a year, that's it. So now I, I veganize it because she's now vegan. Mm-hmm. But I, I made the suggestion of, you know, maybe I, instead of, like, you know, taking a little bit of the load off me, I was like, oh, I can make it the weekend before. Then I was like, I can't do that because based on prior experiences, the cake would not be there by Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, 
she sees the holidays as yes, let's eat the cake. When yes. now it's just like okay, look at all this good food you can have, and then slice, not not Yogi Bear. Yeah, <laughs> that's very true. Yeah, and uh, the holidays are sort of like a gluttony bowl for a lot of people. And I'm you know not perfect. I. I all overeat. I always overeat on Thanksgiving because it tastes so good. And I'll sit there and be like, I'm just putting this in my mouth because it tastes good and not because I'm hungry or I need it. But, um, it, you know, but knowing that about myself definitely also helps me control myself. I don't know if this says something more about, like, the Thanksgiving foods that maybe I'm just not as excited by. But I have gotten, I basically never overeat on Thanksgiving stuff unless we have gone out. So... I would disagree. You ate half a pan of cornbread last year by yourself. But I, but that's <laughs> I, 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 I'm not saying. I'm just saying that like I don't like obsess about like. <laughs> I wish you guys could see Carly. She's laughing in her hands. I don't obsess about like mashed potatoes and gravy and like cranberries. That's a really good point, though. I like the t- I like the tofu turkeys. I love the hell out of those, and you know I like. That's a, that's stuff, a really good point. Is when I am in these holiday situations, I. And I am going to eat overeat or eat more or eat more rich food than I normally do. I don't pick the things that I can have on an average Tuesday. So, I mean, I'm just, like, I can have, I love sweet potatoes, but I can have them anytime. So, if I am going to eat extra, I eat extra something that I don't have all the time available to me. Which, even though I love mashed potatoes and gravies, it would be my last meal on earth. Um, I tend to go for other things at Thanksgiving that I don't that are available to me on an average Tuesday to sort of save myself, to, to have something to say no to on the buffet line. Let's see. Um, Shelly asked, what can be made ahead and frozen? It really depends on the recipe, though not a lot of stuff. Um, muffins, of course, and cookies generally can be made ahead. Cranberries. Cranberry, yeah, cranberry sauce can be made. I don't know if it can be frozen, the cranberry sauce. I would sauce. Yeah, maybe. So. But a lot of stuff can't be, but um, a lot of stuff can be prepared ahead and refrigerated, so there's, there's that option. But um, she was mostly asking, saying that, like, she goes to a lot of parties and maybe doesn't have time to make something that day, but what could she make now? And I would just sort of be like, on a weekend, look down, see what your schedule calendar is going to be for the week and make it on the weekend. Because a lot of stuff just doesn't lend well to freezing. And then there's no shortage of gifts that you can give that aren't food, or you can even just put, like, cornbread mix in a mason jar and give that and tell them to add, you know, almond milk and bake it or something so there's a there's a lot of options available that way let's see um veggie mama how to celebrate hanukkah without oil so this is my first hanukkah i found out this year that i was jewish and i've been um immersing myself in my new culture and so when i was reading about this i decided the way i would approach it is i was going to basically massage myself with oil as my way of following that sort of ceremony and requirement. Um, so why don't you explain that? Because I don't know that much about it other than... Oh, there's just, like, part of, like, why, like, latkes and stuff are... No, no, the Jewish thing in oil. Oh, there's just... They're supposed to eat oil as part of... It's just a cultural... It's like a cultural, religious thing, sort of like... I don't want to compare because it's not the same as the Catholics having the body of Christ wafer, but it's the same sort of in spirit. It's like a, a religious practice. So what I've decided is just since I'm not going to eat the oil, and I don't think I'm going to be any less Jewish or worthy or any thing, um, I'm just going to like, you know, rub some coconut oil on myself, which in the winter I need anyway. Um, maybe I'll, I could convince my husband to give me a shoulder massage too with that oil, but, um, there's, there's always ways to work around and, um, and if you absolutely feel to be right in God's eyes or 
you know, whatever, it's very important to you that you consume oil. If you do it this one day of the year, I think you're going to be okay, assuming you don't have heart disease. Um, and as for the latkes, people were asking for that recipe. There is a baked vegan latke recipe on happyherbivore.com, and there's also a ton of Jewish recipes in Happy Herbivore Holidays and Gatherings. Actually, all religious recipes um, throughout the whole year, but especially this holiday season, even Kwanzaa is in Happy Herbivore Holidays and Gatherings. So if you need some sort of culturally significant traditional foods for religious holidays, it's in that book. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm ready. I'm ready for Hanukkah. And I have all sorts of many items planned. When are you making your, your first attempt at challah? My first attempt at challah is going to be for the first day of Hanukkah, I think. So we're going to have to wait until December for that day. Uh, the first day is December 7th. 7th. Maybe I'll try it earlier. Maybe just to get it right so it is right. But um, I've, I've done some vegan recipes so far. We're going to have portobello brisket one night. Are we gonna, are I'm we excited gonna, from Happy Year of Holidays and Gatherings. Are we going to do a... Are, we, are you going to try to make a, uh, a gefilte fish? No. Okay, next question. <laughs> um, I think I think this is the last one. Yep, this is our last one. Is... Oh, wait, no, it's not our last one. Veggie Mama also asked how to host a New Year's party, and again, happy her before holidays and gatherings as a full New Year's menu. So Amy Sarah said, last question, how do you approach New Year's resolutions in a realistic and healthy way? So I always resolve to not do something. I recognize that most of us are too busy and cannot add more tour plates, so I always take something off. Last year, it was, I am not going to read blog posts after they're published. This year, it was, I was not going to read emails after they were sent. Can I believe, begin to tell you how profound this has changed my life? Um, and then something that we do all the time with the members is every month, members are creating two new rules. Like, I don't eat cheese or I don't eat cake. Or So you could create two rules instead of resolutions. Um, but most importantly, try to go from 0 to 10, not 0 to 180. If you don't already work out, let's be real, you're not going to go five days a week at 5 a.m. Carly's yeah. nodding her head. So Yeah, like, I mean, it, it, so you have to be real. Realistic is the goal with the resolutions. So you, if you wanted to do 50 push-ups or run a marathon, you wouldn't go right out the gate and try to do 50 push-ups or try to run 26.2 miles. Mm-hmm. You would do 10 push-ups. And or maybe five one push-up miles. or half a push-up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, and and maybe every day you can add a little more distance or a little more, you know. So don't bite off huge amounts when you're trying to change stuff. Do very simple changes. Last year, Carly, I think your resolution was to just be more positive, right? Yeah, just to be better, be just a better person. Like I like to try and work on being like happier or you know not being you know what did you specifically do to, to do that uh, just <laughs> be nicer to people like not that I'm like super you know an angry and aggressive person but you know just <laughs> be nicer put like a little extra thought show people that Hold you know for show that you like appreciate them like and actually I was talking to my boyfriend last night about this I was like how about this week we make a list of like Things that we want to do together next year. And it, it's just to get it out there because, one, I'm a planner. And I'm, like, because I started, like, thinking about Thanksgiving last month. Like, mm-hmm. super You were thinking about Thanksgiving in July. Let's just be honest. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, you know, I think it's just a good thing, like, 
to get it out there because at least, okay, we won't forget about it. And if we don't get it, get to it, then that's fine. But at least, you know, it's one of those things that, like, we can try to do or want to do. One resolution we did two years ago, and I loved it, was every time something good happened in our lives or something was achieved, Scott and I wrote it down on a piece of paper and put it in a jar. And then at the end of the year, we dumped the jar out and read it. And it was amazing. It was such a wonderful experience. But also, there I realized... One, all these amazing things happened to me the whole year and to see them all in total. And then a lot of them I would have easily just forgotten or just ignored And because some of them was just a compliment. Like I remember one day a friend of mine paid me this compliment and it really made my day. So I came home and I wrote it down. I would have never remembered that, but it was in my jar. Yeah. And, and that's, so that's, that's a, a great resolution. It's a, it's a feedback loop because it's what it's doing is you're, you've decided to like be more aware of and appreciative of it and by creating a record of it and then like you know it creates this loop where you get to come back and reappreciate it and stuff like that it's a really it's a really good good thing so and i actually would say you probably should leave those out in very obvious places whether it's at a desk or in the kitchen or something so that you see the good things in there and then you also it'll help you remember to put stuff in there that's a good point that's a really good point yeah we left ours i think on the mantle but the mantle our tv was above it and we had to walk by the mantle to get to the bedroom so you're right it was really kind of in my face all the time but really i can't recommend enough resolving not to do something it's so much easier to take something away than to add so whether it's i'm not going to drink wine or i'm not going to eat chocolate cheesecake or I'm not eating dairy or I'm, you know, just, it's always easier to remove. And, and in my case, like I said, it's been profoundly um, helpful. I bought a new shirt. I'm going to get rid of another shirt. Yeah. One in, one out rule. Yeah. When I buy one thing, I get rid of another. It's just, it's always good to, because we just don't have time to add more to our plates. We're all just too busy already. That's the problem. And I like it. I don't know how much you've talked about this with I don't the eat members, potato chips. but it's like if you don't like love something don't buy it you know if you don't like love some piece of clothing like if you're it's either you either have to love it or not you know it's just like yeah, and I love that book I forget the name of it the, I think the Japanese girl but she says um does it bring you joy if you don't get joy just like looking at it, you don't just love it love it love it don't buy it because you're not going to love it at home if you don't love it in the store Yes. Yeah. And we're looking at a painting that I love, and I walked in, and I loved it so much I couldn't imagine my life without it. And now it's mine, and I would love it every day. Well, I guess that's it, unless you guys, either of you, have any final thoughts or questions. No, I think we covered a we covered lot of everything, stuff. Huh? So. Well, it's been fun. Thanks again, everyone, for listening for the past year. Um, we love writing these meal plans for you, and we love having you as part of our community. And I look forward to the 2016 season and podcast. And we have some really awesome meals coming up. And um, happy Thanksgiving. Happy everything. Bye.